No my hearty my, and welcome to Cult Chat, the podcast where we talk about coercion, control, and all things cultish. I'm Dr. Caroline Ansley. I'm a medical doctor. As a child, I lived at the Centrepoint community, a notorious cult in New Zealand, and now I run a website that advocates for the former children of the community. I'm Liz Gregory, and I run the Gloria Libra Support Trust, and I'm privileged to walk alongside people after leaving this group as they embark on their new lives. And I'm Lindy Jacob. I'm a former member of the Exclusive Brethren, and I'm part of the Olive Leaf Network, a new initiative in Aotearoa to support leavers of high-demand religious groups. Come with us as we unpack the cult playbook. We'll be talking to experts and leavers of coercively controlling groups, and we will call for Kiwis to cult-proof their lives. Come with us as we traverse the cultiverse. A warning, this podcast contains references to subjects and discussions which may be difficult for some people to hear. Please take care of yourselves and your whānau when listening. Welcome back to Cult Chat. Lindy, Kaz, we're here for part two of our coercive control episode. And Lindy, I just wondered... Um, did you spill your coffee in the break? Or... <laughs> Are you a... talking about the like, dirty marks in the front of my shirt? Your Olive Leaf Network it's, t-shirt? It's, no, it's not food and it's not coffee. <laughs> this is the Olive Leaf Network t-shirt that I wore on a mud run in Wellington when I also wore a headscarf as well and it was partly to raise awareness about Olive Leaf Network and about former members of high demand groups and it was also kind of a celebration because when I was in the Brethren you couldn't join in with things like a fun public run and so yeah I kind of wore the headscarf and the shirt in, um, in acknowledgement of that and yes it's still got mud stains because you get in an absolute state doing that there so uh, yeah Sounds I'm like not fun. just a grubby person. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we head back into the deep, dark world of coercive control and the law? Absolutely. And the law. Yes. Yeah, so last uh, episode, we looked at definitions of coercive control. We were really helped by Biderman's chart of control, and you can look at those steps on how to gain domination. Mm. But it actually just helped us conceptualise coercive control. So now it's time to move to the next part and the next phase. There are some laws that are um, coming in around the world in different locations making coercive control illegal. So that's why it's important that we know what it actually is. But we need to point out to everybody that we are not lawyers. None of us have any kind of legal training and we're doing our best to curiously explore this Mm -hmm. domain and uh, I think what it has done or may do may be quite clear that we need some expertise on our show on this topic. But we're going to do a little intro into the laws as we we see it. As we explore this too, yeah. So if you are an expert in... Um, coercive control in the law out there, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show and to interview you. Because we know all your friends are listening to our show right now. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, I think, um, Lindy, you've been doing a bit of digging into sort of family harm laws in New Zealand, and there's a link between that and wider, bigger, cultic, harmful groups. Yeah, I... Again, like the others said, I'm certainly not well versed in these laws, but I have had a quick look around Australia and New Zealand laws, particularly um, I haven't looked beyond the family family violence bills or family harm bills, but it is really interesting because our little words there, coercion and control, are 
themselves right there, smack bang in the middle of mm. New Zealand's 2018 Family Violence Bill. So I've printed it out so I could read um, read it. There's, I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff there that is of interest, of course, to um, people harming one another. But of course, it's primarily talking about intimate partner settings, domestic family-based um, relationships, not group not group control. There's nothing there about group control from what I can see. Um, but, yeah, we're still going to talk about it because it kind of, it, there is overlap. There's mm. Venn diagram stuff happening. There's overlap. So, yeah, Section 9 um, from the Family Violence Bill, 2018 of New Zealand, um, it says violence means any of the following. Physical abuse, no-brainer. Sexual abuse, also a bit of a no-brainer. And then psychological abuse, mm. which is interesting that that is specified in there. And it, um, it says, um, number three, it says violence against a person includes a pattern of behaviour. Where have we heard that before? Mm-hmm. Um, you described that there was a pattern in our mm. early episode on, on what coercion is. And it says done, for example, to isolate from family or friends. Mm. Again, that concept of isolation um, came up in our description of coercion. And it says... Um, yeah, so violence against a person includes a pattern of behaviour that is made up of a number of acts that are all or any of physical abuse, sexual abuse and psychological abuse that may have one or both of the following features. Mm. Uh, point A, it says it is coercive or controlling. Because it is done against the person to coerce or control with the effect of coercing or controlling mm. the person. And then point B is that it causes or may cause harm. So, yeah, the, the coercion and the control is directly linked to causing harm. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. That's what our Family Violence Bill says. But that's the domestic context. Yep, domestic really context. Really interesting because any time that we had in the past gone to other groups and agencies and perhaps even police, there was very much a feeling like we can't do anything about that kind of stuff inside a culture group. But bring us... Uh, incidents of physical harm or sexual harm and we can prosecute those mm. and yet you're saying that there, there is, is psychological provision. abuse is there psychological abuse is there yeah so maybe I, it's harder to define i think your definitions because um psycholo- you think of a criminal court you you take someone there for a particular act and uh, or an offence and you talk about that particular offence and you ask people about the particular offence but coercion and control was about the patterning over a lifetime over a long period of time mm. and that violent incident might sit within a much wider pattern but those patterns aren't on trial mm. and also you, <laughs> you, you need to understand intention as well and it's pretty mm. hard to get inside the head of a, a perpetrator to right. understand to that they harm. intend they intend to mm. control and manipulate over a number of number of individual acts might not seem like to that. cause harm mm. so that just brings me back to the employment court case with Gloria Vale where you've got um, it's supposed to be about employment. Were the members in Gloryville yeah, volunteers, basically? Mm-hmm. And the leavers were saying, no, we were exploited. Like, we believe it's, yeah, it's it's harmful. Mm. And you had, yeah, you had the Gloryville side saying, why are you asking all these other questions unrelated to employment? Why aren't you just asking about work hours or work conditions? And the Gloryville Leavers lawyer would stand up and he would say, oh, Your Honour, it's about power and control. Mm. We're establishing a pattern of power and control. And that's why in an employment court hearing, it went on for eight, 
10 weeks, mm. they were asking about everything, like where you lived. About the wider Marriage relationships. Mm. Right. It was all in. Like, Glorivale's like, we don't need to talk about sexual abuse. What's that got to do with... With employment. With employment. Oh, that's interesting, because in the High Court a couple of weeks ago, with the Jehovah's Witnesses contesting the Royal Commission of Inquiry into Abuse and Care, the Jehovah's Witnesses um, were offended about a similar thing. They said, what, why? It feels like religious persecution. Mm-hmm. Why have you been asking about our general doctrines and practices and beliefs about Armageddon and, and door-to-door witnessing? Yeah, and again, they, the Royal Commission um, lawyer came back and, and was saying, well, yeah, it's it's all part of the scene that, ah, that feeds into this. So that's excellent that they yeah, were doing that. It was brilliant. And then you look at your patterning, and we're probably going to touch on this, of a group that is that controlling and has that much power over people will, right. A, exploit people, will, B, abuse mm. people. In other will areas. Will entrap people. And then, of course... Um, exploitation of labour begins to look a little bit like servitude, perhaps, slavery, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. And there's a link between, coming up soon, some of these coercive control laws in the domestic setting. If they were to be enlarged to yeah. harmful groups, you could be looking at slavery. But we do have slavery provision already. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, yeah. So I'd like to just sort of note the 2015 UK Serious Crimes Act law um, mm. because it... Uh, it was a, um, a tidying up of a law to make it harder for coercive control to continue and with no consequences. So in the, what they did to the Serious Crimes Act, they introduced a criminal offence of controlling and coercive behaviour in an intimate and family relationship. Now, the bit that I'm uncertain about is what our New Zealand law, how they compare to this. Mm. Um, but within the UK Act, to count as coercive control, the victim and perpetrator must be personally connected, um, have uh, intimate or family relationship at the time the behaviour takes place, the behaviour must have a serious effect on the victim, the behaviour must take place repeatedly or continuously, mm. and the perpetrator must have known that the behaviour would have a serious effect on the victim, or the behaviour must have been such that he or she ought to have known that it had the effect. So um, mm. so that was in a, an addition, uh, and there was a further addition in the 2021 to further extend the avenues of prosecution. So what that led to um, in the UK was the Family Survival Trust produced a report that basically said what we're, we're, what we're trying to say right now, mm. which is... And hold up, just to interrupt you for a minute there, just to make it clear for people who don't know what the Family Survival Trust is, it's a group that I think was born around the 70s when there was quite a bit of concern about particularly young mm. adults getting recruited into kind of um, yeah new religious movements or, or culty type groups and um, it's it's gone on and been established now for several decades and it's pr- probably one of UK's main entities that supports people leaving culty groups in high mm. demand groups and they run support groups and have got resources mm. for supporting former members and um, yeah and, and try and work on policy changes and that kind of thing so it's this group family survival trust. Um, that pulled together a report released in July 2022. Yes, so it was a, a, that the whole idea of the report was that for them to tie in coercively controlling behaviours in group settings mm. with a law that only uh, had consequences for intimate partner mm. settings mm. or family um, settings. And, and um, been des- that law had been designed just for those settings, mm. hadn't it? There had mm. been no, it, had there been no thought 
that these behaviours occur in wider groups? Did they deliberately curtail Good the legislation? Question. Don't know. Or had they not recognised that it's actually the same playbook? Worth noting at the, the start is that we've also got um, development of coercive controlling laws in other, legis- in other jurisdictions around the world. In Scotland and Wales, they're coming into force. I think mm. there's 12 or 15 or something across the uh, American states. Mm-hmm. New wow. South Wales has been going oh, two years, three years, I think, and just beginning of October, um, Queensland, Queensland introduced a coercive control mm-hmm. law. So um, so the findings, that was a segue, the findings of family survival trust in that, that Lindy was outlining who they are, was to look at a group of people who'd come out of cults and ask them about their experiences in these high control groups mm. and were they coercively controlled. Um, and the findings of the port, report, I won't go into great detail. I'm going to take a guess. They mm-hmm. found they were. They found coercively controlling <laughs> behaviours reflecting against the legislation and what the legislation in, the, in Britain described as coercive control, mm-hmm. whether these were the, the things that these 105 individuals were reporting. They're reporting shunning, rules, restrictions and degradation, financial abuse and deprivation, control of their family life, mm-hmm. sexual and physical abuse, mm-hmm. lack of safeguarding, dangers of leaving. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Bang. <laughs> so all those... Exact same things. Basically, that you went through in the previous episode around how to mm-hmm. how to take control over someone. The same mm. things, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And the conclusion of the report was that it outlines the use of coercive control and cults is rife and continuing, and there's no legislation in place in Britain to prevent the abuse or to hold perpetrators to, to account. Count. In fact, perpetrators and cults currently feel safe to abuse, as these groups are often given charity status and operate Ooh. on the sidelines, hidden from mainstream society. Ooh. And when there is prosecution, it's one member of the cult who is prosecuted, like like they're some little island separate entity. Separate entity. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting, because, yeah, who do you hold to account when you're looking for to pin criminal liability onto somebody? Is it the actual entity itself, or is it, yeah, individuals within it? Is it founders, or is it the, the support people? Like That's quite complicated, isn't it? Very. It's, it's a bit tricky. If what if they got, don't have a legal entity? What if there's, like, two-by-twos? Well, we were talking earlier. Yeah, two-by-twos, yeah. oh, do they even have a name? They didn't. Where they, are they? They say they or don't. The group with no they, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah or centre point that doesn't funny, exist anymore. The money manages to funnel its way through to a key point. So <laughs> true, true. funny how they try to obscure, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, uh, one of the consequences, one of the wonderful consequences, I, I thought, of the 2015 UK Act coming to force was that it, it um, uh, highlighted the fact that if you were going to enforce a coercive control law, you needed uh, to educate people about that. Mm, and I wanted to do a slight segue to discuss, just briefly, um, for because we, we are trying to educate uh, educators and uh, health professionals and um, therapists mm-hmm. and policymakers in this country about coercive control, right, and mm-hmm. harm to groups. And there's this master's program that's spun mm. out of um, the University of Salford in Manchester as a response to the 2015 coercive control laws. Um, so and it's just just a little rundown of what you can get there if you um, decide you want to be a master's um, candidate. That the, it was developed and influenced by the work of Margaret Singer, Robert J. Lifton, Evan Stark, Judith Herman, mm. Bess of Vanderbilt. Judith, Polk. that's yeah. your favourite author. Okay. Right, right now, right there, now, the trauma author. Yeah, yeah, mm. my current favourite. Um, so you know, it, it was all about trying to kind of um, how to. Um, 
Yeah, educate people. So it's 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 a number of people I know are, are considering getting involved in that program, um, including mm. uh, currently Casey from the Cult Vault is okay, currently involved great. in that program. Yeah. She's sending me emails about yeah. what she's learning. About oh, the it. content oh, looks absolutely fascinating. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's I'm a, desperate too, but you know I could just can't see myself fitting it in the next year or so. But yeah. it's and what I didn't mention is that actually it's a distance program, full distance program learning. So everyone, it's an international um, team who come. Yeah. Uh, in, into that program. And the idea of the program is so that there can be people who can sit around the table of governments and help them uh, and facilitate discussions and move this discussion, policy yeah. development. Yeah, you come out of it with just... It's the only master's program in the world on is the on psychology of control. The psychology yeah, yeah. Of and, it, control. and it explores individual settings as well as group settings, mm. as well as gangs. Yeah, all, all kinds of environments. So it, it looks absolutely Extremist fascinating. Extremist groups, yeah. It yeah, looks yeah, yeah. fascinating. And there are people who, um, who contest the idea of there being. <laughs> yeah group coercive control and who you know are against that sort of thing. The, these people are called cult apologists, pe- people who um, are advocating for, for the rights and the benefits of um, culty type groups and saying there isn't an issue here, there is no harm here, move along people. Yeah, mm. so that'd be interesting, eh? What, what, it'd be fascinating to ask one of these people, um, what do you think about this Masters of Coercive Control, you know, do you think it's just a load of hogwash or, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love to have uh, someone in our team do that. So we're right behind your cares. <laughs> Excellent. I drop a few things in my life. Yeah, and I know that um, with the uh, submissions in Australia, there's actually a website, um, and you can go and look up all the submissions that poured in around the coercive control laws prior mm. to them coming up with one. And I went on there, and actually I was encouraged to go there by one of our top fans on Cult Chat, Emily, and I want to thank her for her role um, in bringing to our attention some of the issues. So having been pointed to the website, um, I was given two names. One was Professor Julie Tolmey, and she is a Kiwi, and uh, we do appreciate it uh, when we have professors, and she's actually a professor in like criminal law, but she obviously has an interest and a passion in helping others understand coercive control. I think what was uh, interesting about her thoughts uh, is that she says, we know that most situations involve coercive, involving coercive control also involve the use of physical violence, but it, it is a directly coercive tactic that can be used in addition to threats and surveillance and degradation, that's a word we've been using, as well as the indirect control tactics designed to undercut the victim's independence. Mm-hmm. And that includes the isolation and the micro-regulation. And the physical violence can be extremely brutal, but it can be ongoing low-level violence that cumulatively wears the victim mm. down. So that's and from so Julie... That's from, from Tom, her. And then she, submission yeah. to the Queensland... Submission, yeah, and she's yeah. acknowledging the benefits of criminalising control, but she does have a note of caution, and it's a really interesting mm. note of caution because she said when applying the coercive control sort of ideas to a particular set of facts, it's a bit difficult. The breadth of evidence required is quite right, wide, and yeah. she says she's a bit of a concern about whether our justice system and our, right. our system is set up adequately and, and equipped right. to provide... to be able to identify it. And record yeah. it accurately. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking I think. about, were you talking about 
the, uh, the role of medical experts? Like, do we have adequate medical experts in this country mm. who can help a judge and jur- jurors to understand mm-hmm. how mm. a person who's been uh, living under this, the oppression of a coercively controlling regime or relationship, um, a regime in this case, um, how they might behave in court, oh, for instance? What yes. was that thing you said last night about how... A, Definitely, The yes. double bind of a woman who... Yeah, so one of the submitters, it may have been Julie or it may have been um, Bryn Greener, one of them commented on a woman who sits in court, if she's still thinking through the lens of someone who's been coercively controlled, she's not going to necessarily make the best witness. Mm. But a woman who is... quiet and can't talk to the, the judge and the lawyer, yeah. or she's, never, she's not allowed to. But a woman who is sitting there able to articulate her experience, no-one necessarily believes that she's been the victim of coercive yeah. control. It's a right, double, double right. blind, isn't it? Yeah. Because she's now because able you to look speak. Strong and you look like you can... <laughs> mm. Yeah, and someone needs this. to understand that. Yeah. 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 What, what, what happens to people in these groups before courts? And I, I know what happens to people. I've, I've sat there, I've seen it, I've heard what's happened and all I want to do is to run up and say can't, can't you see you can't ask that question to someone who is living under coercive control yeah. that, that reminds me again of the recent um, uh, news articles that came out about a month ago about a Gloria Vale um, accused perpetrator who you, I'm hoping you remember the detail who was taken to court some years ago by mm-hmm. a woman in Gloria Vale and do you know the details of I that? Yeah. And and she was yeah. um, ripped apart in court. Devastating. And it was actually the lack of understanding in the court that ended up meaning it went nowhere. That's right. Yeah. And miscarriage um, of justice. Incredible. A huge miscarriage of justice. And that's um, and it's Julia Benjamin, and she asked to have her name unsuppressed because she is um, is she would like this conversation to progress. She's fine with that. And she mm. named um, the man, and there had been grooming that had gone on under the age of 16, and he's lost his name suppression too. It's Salem Temple. He's actually still the youth group leader at Gloryvale, or sometimes he, he takes leave of the position, but he's still in a power of influence and control. And so you've got mm. the situation where there was grooming prior to 16, and then you have this development of a relationship that she thought maybe at some point you know, she was interested in and involved in post-16. But when grooming has occurred from, say, young, like, you know, 12, 13, 14, and you're in a group like Gloryvale, it's all very complex, you have these concerning, where's the line between I'm now an active participant, but earlier I, I, I wasn't? Was she an active participant after 16? Well, actually, the initial charges were that she really wasn't. But anyway, for various reasons... And it's devastating. There was a, um, a from memory, a hung jury. Mm-hmm. No, the first one was thrown out. Uh, there were you know, sort of errors made on both sides. I understand just um, these things can happen in court. Thrown out, a new trial restarted, hung jury, heaps of time in between COVID, and more than that, a devastating length of time that meant that when it came time to have the third trial, um, Gloria Vale and, and his lawyer went to court and asked for it to be dismissed because mm-hmm. of, you know, for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. And the judge took 18 months from memory, nine to 18 months to make a decision. And in that time, the Solicitor General got involved and said, too long has passed. 
and the whole thing's just mm. gone. It's over. That's it's it. Gone. There is no opportunity. But I know that in that second trial, the police worked really hard and they brought in like grooming experts. Did they? They did. They, they, they didn't have the circumstantial evidence of people who would support it. Leave, heaps of levers hadn't come out yet. The people yeah. within, though, were still inside protecting the system. And was she just treated as a normal woman? growing up in a normal environment standing as a witness in court or was oh. there some kind of recognition of, of the fact that she had actually been in a coercively controlled environment her I, whole life and been oppressed and I don't believe there were any experts that were able to bring that to the table because it was it's a critical few years ago now I think her situation would be dealt with entirely different and I even look at the questions that were asked of her by the lawyer and I'm just right. so appalled can you think of any examples? Don't worry if you can't. I'm just curious. Oh, like, yeah, oh, no, all sorts. Like, well, you, know, you would have had to get out of your dress. It's such a long dress. You would have had to deliberately... It's hard to get out of a dress. You know, you would have had to have deliberately taken off this dress to you know, so she must be involved cooperated. in that. She cooperated. Did, did you enjoy it? And some terrible oh, line gosh. of questioning yeah. around this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just well, no, no, rec- well, no recognition that... Like, well, I'm like, just looking at that, this... That, that, that refusing... That oh. not giving consent when you're in a pattern and a system of coercive yeah. control that's gone your it's whole worse. life. Lack of consent. Yeah. Consent looks different is what I'm well, trying to no say. There's no such thing. There's, well, exactly. If you've lived under a system that says that there's no choice for freedom, which we yeah. talked about in the last yeah. episode, you don't um, object in the same way that you might say oh, from a straight... Like a freeborn. Or if you're walking down the street and you're raped, <laughs> you look completely different yeah. Yeah. Oh. in that situation than what you do if you've lived your whole life mm. believing well, you have no this, choice Well, look at this freedom. quote here that um, I think you'd put out, Kaz, you'd pulled it out of the Family Survival Trust report, um, but it, it says, when isolation and engulfment, and then in brackets they've got, where almost the entirety of life occurs solely within the group's social arena... <laughs> are compounded by threat, it is the perfect formula for coercive control to occur. This is because once the individual's social environment and time are dominated and controlled by the cult, the arousal of fear through some form of stress or threat results in a trauma bond of the follower to the controller. Oh, Mm. trauma bond. Mm. But you've got all those concepts too, don't you? Mixed up in there. And if the legal system or the, the... the, yeah, the legal people in charge of these rulings don't understand some of these complexities, then they're not going to deliver justice. No, they're not. And what if you have been conditioned from birth that women remain quiet? And that mm. if you were raped, imagine you're a martyr. And the martyrs... Oh, it's just and a body. Don't you, they say, oh, it's just, it's just a, a body. body. You'll get another one and you remain quiet. There's an expectation you don't you and don't shout like, out. And then they have the insult, well, did you shout out as a mm, question in exactly. court? That is... Right. It's just I, totally inappropriate it's to vile. the context. It's vile. Yeah, they and, don't understand. And no. when actually you're going to lose all your social status and never be able to marry if you've been um, sexually... Yeah. Um, had sexual contact yeah. with someone, um, whether it's consensual or not, you keep it. silent in the moment. You don't yeah. look like the classic, yeah. no, the classic person who's been assaulted on the street. And you know what? Straight victim or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to ask any questions for anyone under sixteen. It, it actually, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter exactly. whether the whether the person thought there was consent. It's illegal. And yeah, above that, point. you've mm. still got a massive power differential between mm. a married man, yeah. years yeah. in between, and a seventeen-year-old, and, and a and a young yeah. inside that power environment. Yeah. He's the main son's leader. He was yeah. the leader of the youth group. I mean, there is even just, if you're seventeen or eighteen, even if you were thirty or forty, you're still kind of inf- inf- infantilized in that situation. That's right. Mm. The gulf mm. is massive. Yeah. Mm. So I think um, you know people look at single events. There's an example of something going through the criminal court that miss out on this great 
wave of knowledge which is coming now around coercive control. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's the right time because there are a lot more, you know, people that still need to go through the courts and the glory of our scene. And hopefully our judicial system will become educated. Unfortunately, it's a shame for those individual cases. Devastated. That they are actually educating Mm -hmm. frontline legal services. I mean, it shouldn't be necessary for victims. It is. It's inadequate. The system is inadequate. But it does highlight to me, this is an example, this is evidence of um, the quote from this woman up here. What was her name again? Julia Um, Tommy? Yeah, Tommy. That that maybe she's correct. That, you know, maybe our judicial system isn't really, if that's actually what happens in court to victims. But what we need to do... They need to start getting ready now because we all know it takes time to get new laws and there's discussion and there's submissions and there's a time period. So now now is the time. Which is exactly why we mentioned the Masters of, coerce, of Psychology of Coercive Control. Well, and again, I'm going, those phrases are already in our family violence bill. So there's got to be some corridor happening about it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I just wanted to mention a little bit, like I said, not a lawyer, about what's happening in Queensland and New South Wales. So the New South Wales law that came in in the 2022 makes coercive control in current and former intimate partner relationships a criminal offence. The offence occurs when an adult engages in a course of con- conduct of abusive behaviour that is intended to coerce or control the other person. So that's New South Wales. It's very similar to our one, but it's just, is it specifying it yes. as, is it mm. a subset of psychological abuse? Maybe or it's, well, it's, it's own category. It makes its own offence. Own category, yeah. No, right. We need a lawyer on the, the show, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, and then there's a Queensland law that literally mm-hmm. went into force um, in October of mm-hmm. 2023. The legislation strengthens laws to address the patent nature of coercive control and lays the foundation to create a standalone offence of coercive control right. later. The amendments modernise and strengthen the offence of un- unlawful stalking in the criminal code to better capture the broad range of tactics used by perpetrators, mm. broadens the definition of domestic and family violence to include behaviour that occurs over time and should be considered in the context of the whole relationship. Whew. So it talks about... The context of the whole relationship. Do you know how long these trials are going to take? Whereas if one one off sort of violent incident in court, I'm talking about court time, yeah. versus mm. a, a pattern of behaviour which requires way more witnesses, mm. how a person behaves over a pattern of time, much more evidence. I think that's what yeah, yeah. we're saying. But Our court system needs an overhaul. Yeah, so, but if... Like the family um, survival trust comment about there being no accountability or no consequence. Like, if there is literally no law for it... At all. You know, like, even if it's hard to to enforce... Mm. Yep. You know, if there's literally... It's literally not a crime... You know, Mm. if police turn up and they say, well, nothing's criminal happened here... Do you know who this law will help? It won't actually prevent the person who wants to be involved in coercively controlling behaviour. But it will empower the victim Mm. that there might be a way out or a way for it to stop. Mm. Because I don't believe this kind of law would stop someone who's involved in that. And that's something... Well, even to have it it named that this is wrong, you know, to have it named that stalking is wrong, to have it named that isolating is psychologically harmful, Mm -hmm. to have it named that restricting a person's access to their family or to education is psychologically harmful, Mm -hmm. that... That's huge in itself. Like, when yeah. I look at that, I'm like, wow, this stuff is criminal. And this stuff we know some high-demand religious groups in New Zealand are doing. Mm. So, yeah. And you don't have to lay a finger on the person. 
No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it does all add to the picture, doesn't it? To say that actually that's a human rights abuse that 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 comes under the category of abuse and of harm. Whereas some of these groups don't even believe that what they're doing is abuse or harm. No. Yeah, one of the um, submitters to the New South Wales um, for the law there was Bryn Greener. Now, he's the director of, um, it's called Project Air Strategy for Personality Disorders and Senior Professor of Psychology. Okay, so here's a man who... Which country is he from? He's from Australia. And his research investigates interpersonal dysfunction between individuals with a narcissistic personality and their partners and family members. So he's in the narcissistic sphere. And his submission was around recognising those patterns of coercive control, and his research shows that partners and family members um, of people who live with someone with pathological narcissism, they are describing the same challenging themes as coercive control. Mm. So it's like coercive control is the, um, the method through which pathological narcissists, you know, play out um, their personality disorder. And I find that so interesting because when you look at the pathological narcissism, tell me if you're hearing anything different than coercive control. It's about emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. It's about um, imposition of financial burdens, controlling or being dependent on others. It involves the features of grandiosity, requiring admiration, displaying arrogant, entitled behaviours, being exceptionally envious and jealous or exploitative and having a lack of empathy. And aren't you looking at those lists of coercive controlling saying, is there any difference? Mm. There's a lot of overlap. A lot of overlap. And he said regarding the psychological toll of these relationships, participants, so the victims, experience severe levels of distress, high levels and high burden of grief, as well as the presence of anxiety and depressive disorders. And he mm. said the psychological toll of being around people with a narcissist personality disorder is immense. And mm. so it looks like coercive control is the techniques that pathological narcissists use. What's the link to high demand and high control groups right there? Oh, they're all cult leaders are all narcissists. Pretty much there is enough evidence mm. there to suggest in the research that most many, if not all, are pathological narcissists. So, of course, coercive control mm. is the playbook. Going to be used, yeah. That's how they wow. do it. That's fascinating. In um, mm. Jess Hill's book, which I referenced a couple of times in the last... The See What You Made Me Do one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, the, the theme that was coming through in there is, a, 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 to overuse the word pathological, but I'm going to, a pathological sense of entitlement. Mm. And, you know, like that, that a deeply held belief that you deserve this, whatever this is, whatever the You mean when is. you're a guru? Uh, a coercive controller. Or a leader? A coercive, oh, right, controller. a coercive controller. Yeah. Oh, you believe you deserve... Whatever the thing is. Mm. Right. So you... Whether that person's yeah, life my, yours my, dinner, my dinner on time, uh, yeah. adulation of a, of a horde of people. Yeah. You do what right. I say. Yeah. Right. When you, I say. Exactly. So you've got to have... You believe what I believe. You've got to have an extraordinary... Yeah. <laughs> sense of entitlement <laughs> and ownership. And confidence, mm. yes, mm. the grandiose, yeah, yeah, the grandiosity, yeah, and biggest, I, biggest yeah. belief, really. Mm. Well, it does because it's uh, it's so deep, and then maybe that's where um, uh, you know some information from Emily Egerton Warburton, and she's actually studying modern day slavery, and it's it's that little link, pathological narcissism on mass cultic groups, coercive control. It's starting to look 
very much like entrapment, social entrapment, which has this link uh, with She with, uses that term, social entrapment. Social entrapment, and right. that's being used, um, I'm noticing that a little bit more now in some of the academic research. I thought mm. it was, I had never heard of it until Dr Julie Norris, the um, mm. forensic psychologist who um, helped out in the in the glory of our case, well, mm. ended up helping helping the leavers, really. And one of her words was social entrapment. And it's really stuck with me. It's such a powerful picture of, of what happens. And so um, Emily actually did um, did an essay and sent it to us where she looks at um, Gloria Vale and Magdalene Laundries in Ireland and an Anglican Diocese in Newcastle, Sydney. And she's looking across the patterns of these three different groups and how, and there's these links to coercive control Mm, And how it can broaden out to high group demand groups and how it leads to slavery, social entrapment and slavery. So there's three groups, the Anglican Diocese of Newcastle, Mm -hmm. the Magdalene Laundries, Mm -hmm. presumably where? In Um, Ireland. Ireland, In Ireland. What is a laundry? Uh, They ran ran a laundry. They ran a business front. So, yeah, it was for... um, And the Anglicans were three different countries. That, that's correct. The yes. Anglicans in Newcastle. What, that, what, so were all these three organisations doing slavery? Um, that, that's what. The, yep, that was what was being um, put forward. Proposed. So proposed. Yes, and there's obviously there's a lot of information about those two okay. other groups out yeah. there. But she's pulling together um, the threads, and you're looking at this with limited ability to make personal choices, to move or to leave. Mm. They become physically and psychologically incarcerated. Mm. And and it's the it's the coercive control tactics that are being used that incarcerate people physically and in their mind. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And the entrapment comes. And where's the like to me what's just dropping into my head is a sexual trafficking. Oh. Is mm. women who are pulled and put mm. plumped in a brothel somewhere in another country, no language, no passport, no access to family or fauna, you know, it's like how is it even different? You know, like, and, 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 you know, sex trafficking is what comes up over and over again in these conversations as well, which is covered in the Masters of Coercive Control, by the way. Oh, actually. yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Good. Mm. Yeah. So they're all, they're all the same things, aren't they? And if only we could pull a, a, a slave owner off the plantations in America a couple of hundred years ago and pull that into the mix, too. Because they're the same thing. People are actually formalised. Yes. Mm. They're formal, like... Yeah, something that is modern day, a modern day version of an ancient practice. That's right, and you know the word slavery has always conjured up that old version, the ships, the people coming, and that has the actually chains. the chains that has stopped people recognizing the modern just forms of the it. modern That's forms of it. So true. It's just a physical manifestation yeah, of us mm. of something psychologically bad going on. Mm, mm, yeah, and the harm and and consuming another person for your own benefit. Oh, mm. that's a Brilliant quote. Quotable quote. Say it again. Consuming another Consuming person. another person for your own benefit. Yeah. yeah. Gobbled up by a cult leader. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, heavy stuff. Yeah. Heavy stuff, people. Yeah. yeah. So bringing it back to the law. Yeah. What, what, what laws? Yeah. What's our next step here? Oh. If Australia is implementing coercive control laws in the intimate partner violence mm. sector... Do you look at encouraging Australians who are in the cult-aware arena to try and lobby to have that law broadened to harmful groups? Mm. Or do we begin lobbying here with intimate partner violence and coercive control and then aim to have it broadened at some point for coercive groups? Or do we just go straight in, given the amount of noise around Gloria Vale, 
and other mm. cultic groups. Well, we're still slightly thrown by the mention of the two words "coercive of control in the New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, they're even, they're even there. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but is that separate? So that's why we, we need a lawyer. I was going to say, I feel like last time I looked at them, they weren't there. But I don't know, because it was amended in 2018, so I should go back and see when they, you know, what actually was amended. I'm beginning but, to think that there are elements of the judiciary that are starting to get it, because there was no doubt that Christina Inglis, the judge in the Gloria Bell case, in the employment mm. case, she, she understood gets it, she's got it, she's standard. understood it. Yeah. And the, um, yeah, the, her court assist lawyer said there, are, there will be backroom discussions, I think, mm. in the judiciary around better understanding needed. Mm. And maybe, I mean, where does change come from? You know, does it come from judges saying, oh, I see a black hole here, I see a gap in our legislation? Who finds gaps in legislation? MPs, don't they? Don't they have a bin that they put things in to <laughs> you grab in? That's what David oh. Seymour seems to put stuff. <laughs> so, but who, you pluck it out? who asks them? Who says there's a gap? This is the problem. We don't have enough cult survivors mm. in New Zealand willing and speaking out about this to mm. even get traction. We need a petition. A mm. petition? Mm. Like, mm. who? Petition. Or, oh, prof- or is it professionals working in the various spheres. There are 10 government agencies, let's say, working inside the Gloraville context. How many of them have engaged with psychologists and you know, to experts overseas to realise there's a massive disconnect mm-hmm. here, a massive hole, a black hole? What I would really, I think what is, we haven't mentioned much in the show so far is a lack of research. You know, like if you can't yes. see something, you can't figure out the problem, mm-hmm. you can't describe it, you, you can't, can't bring me- the if facts. You can't measure it. If you, you can't, can't measure, measure it as well, because stories are one thing. There's an it's increasing number of stories, but without but, concrete evidence and statistics. Yeah, but we've got the centre point. What was the that name was of that? That was to, uh, um, the different kind of family, the Massey study in 2010, yeah. which had a whole lot of recommendations. I just read it again last week. It's got okay. a whole lot of recommendations. As far as I can tell, almost none of which should have been action. Right, we've had twenty years. There's no excuse for it. Mm. You know, but that's, but that's the one piece of literature that, that I know about. We've got that some we've got. in New Zealand. Got that, some we, what people? We've got that research. We've, we've got, got some one, research. One, 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 one piece. But, there's not much. And that was all tar- that was all targeted mm. towards the needs of centre point children. It wasn't mm. about the wider. No, but there's hard. one thing that I can do. I can take that bit of research and I can email it to all the people working in the government sphere around the Gloraville issue. Maybe that's how you get change in our country. Mm. Maybe it's just people who have a passion and make a whole lot of noise. Mm-hmm. I'd quite like some researchers to do more research. Yeah, we do. We definitely need more research as well. Yeah, yeah because, you know, you, I, you, I, I, I mean, you can't have health professionals and uh, researchers saying we don't have a problem with this. No. And, mm. and well, they, people don't understand how big the problem is. It's that classic thing again, right? It's insidious. It's not obvious with slave ships and chains. It's mm-hmm. it's really insidious stuff. And I think there's far more across it of it across New Zealand than what anybody realises. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take research to do that. So mm-hmm. if you're into a bit of research or you know a good organisation who's keen to research in this area, mm-hmm. come hit us up. Like another point. Do we need to do our own individual research or can we just take the lessons from the other countries who have done this research? Mm. I think we need our own we need our own research. I think we do. We do need that. We've got some unique groups and some unique um, aspects to our, you know, yeah. socio cultural environment and yeah. And as long as we don't see any evidence of it, you know, in mm. uh, you know, journals and other other environments to 
politicians aren't going to take it very seriously, are they? Mm. Mm. I am noticing, though, with the increase of um, particularly the Gloria Vale situation coming into articles, journals, mm. essays, univers- people doing university essays. It's in the schools. Uh, they often do religious studies, and Gloria Vale is a bit of a key hot topic. We often mm. get asked to go to schools and speak. But, so there's something... But the solution, therefore, in people's head is you just need to close Gloria Vale. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, there is that challenge you just need hey, to with close Gloria Vale because it'll be sorted. It'll be okay. Because yeah. it's so its own entity and on a very physically yeah. particular piece of land, it's easy to think it's just a problem there. Yeah. Whereas the thing that we keep saying on the show is that all of the dynamics that are present in a very extreme form in Gloria Vale are actually also found mm-hmm. in multiple multiple spheres across Aotearoa mm-hmm. among all sorts of other groups as well. And so, yeah, that, that's the question. So, yeah, to take it back to the research, it's like we need, um, mm. yeah, we need research into coercive control in group settings across New Zealand. And we're mm-hmm. not just talking faith-based settings. No. We're talking all kinds of settings, but particularly around this group stuff. But yeah, we also might need more research in, into coercive control and intimate, intimate partner and family settings as well. Mm. Yeah, so um, before we head out the door, mm. we um, I'm just wondering if we have some final take-home points here. We may have already done that, but, you know... I think the take-home point is that every person in New Zealand really has a responsibility to um, understand coercive control, make sure we're not involved in it or participating in a system, pointing it out where it's there. I think grassroots cultural change Mm. is probably in order because we have a really high domestic violence rate in New Zealand and now we know that it's likely that the coercive control is the playbook for that. So we've got to start right there. Recognising mm. it. And also understanding that it's not um, something that happens to other people. And I think that was a comment we were having a conversation last night. We were talking about the difference between people recruited in and people born and raised. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to forget about the born and raised people because I would never be a born and raised because I, didn't, I wasn't born and raised, you know. You can feel a bit more frightened about the possibility of recruitment because that could, in fact, happen to anyone. But that's why I keep remembering Laura's story that we heard earlier on is, like, I, I have a, a group of young people in my life and who are about to launch out into, into, into independence, and it's a terrifying yeah. thought mm-hmm. that they might get captured mm-hmm. by a group, you know. like So they're, mm-hmm. they're sort of remembering this idea that... Um, there's many weird and wonderful things about this whole topic that people can easily make it about other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But actually, it's in our domain as yeah, well. Yeah, to go, and this could be your neighbour, this it, could be, this yeah. could happen to you on the university campus. It could. And to remember the mass destruction that comes, the huge psychological toll for people who are victims of mm. this. And those people end up in our health system, yep. and that makes it harder. And legal fit. system. Yep, a legal system. And they have children who exactly. end up in schools who exactly. are impacted. Exactly. And those and, and if we want to live in a society that's more equal, we need to care about the people who have less access to the supports and the services that they need to live life more freely. I think that's a fantastic way to end our show today. Thank you. I hope uh, for our listeners there's been something here of, of interest for you, some things to reflect on. Keep listening to more episodes of Cult Chat on the podcast, the radio station, YouTube. Like, share, review, do whatever to keep promoting uh, these conversations. We need to have them in the public sphere. You can find additional information about the episode and anything we've mentioned and referenced by way of other podcasts or articles, we'll have those in the show notes for you to refer to. And we want to thank you for joining us on this journey. Come and join us again another day. Matewa. See you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.
anything in today's episode was difficult or upsetting for you and you would like to talk to somebody, we encourage our New Zealand listeners to free call or text 1737 for support from a trained counsellor. Or you might like to visit the resources section of the Olive Leaf Network website where you can find a range of organisations and resources that might be able to support you. We would also like to remind you that the views and thoughts and opinions that have been expressed in this programme are the speakers alone and Cult Chat does not necessarily endorse or share them. 